As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Do not wake up your wife with the Nando intro. Hello everyone and welcome to your absolutely favorite 52 minutes of your week. It's Under the Radar, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast Network. Joining me as always, your friend and mine, Derek Van Riper. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. Unfortunately, it is we are still uh, Nando DeFino list. That will go. That will change soon. He will be back. I just has a couple more weeks. I think it's just a couple more weeks where he'll be gone, and then we'll get the whole team back together. So you're stuck with a third version, third best version of the intro because it is quite early on the West Coast. Uh, and my partner said, "Do not wake up your wife with the Nando intro." I, I thought it was true a few weeks ago, and I have confirmed that it is true <laughs> in the time since. It is a wise choice. It is most definitely a wise choice. So uh, I, it's not as good. It, w- it will not make you question whether Nando is back the way it did a few weeks ago with uh, DVR. But we're back. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I'll hand it over to DVR. He's going to tell you what we're going to talk about. Yeah, lots of good stuff on the show today. Ian had some updated dynasty rankings that went up on The Athletic on Friday. So there are probably a million things we could dig into just from that list. And, and not, not even just the dynasty implications of the list, but shorter term implications of moving players around on that list as well. And then we've got a, a group of topics that I've labeled Nando's Funhouse. <laughs> These are things that Nando would definitely bring up if he were here that we will try and bring up at the end of the show. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, really excited to get going. Uh, finally did get the Dynasty rankings out. Uh, special thanks to Brandon Funston for like just t- getting them in Thursday night and like doing the editing and everything that he did. Uh, I was It was such a pain in the butt, but I wanted to make sure that if people had uh, trade deadlines of August 15th that they would have some indication um, of a top 400. Um, not perfect. Obviously, it's never perfect. Like, you know, I put Tatis at 10 before the PED test. And I was just like, you know what? I just don't trust this guy. I just, I've gotten to the point where I'm not interested. Drop him to 10 and then literally list goes live two hours later. Tatis, uh, Tatis hits and, you know, that we'll, we'll get to that one. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was tough. Thanks to Robert Mershak oh, for uh, really helping me get it done and, and get it out. So uh, there it is. Yeah, it's a huge endeavor all the time, and I think Oof. it's the kind of project that, no matter what type of rankings you do, you look at the list at the end and you you kind of feel like you could keep doing more, no matter what, no matter how much time goes in. It, it's like a thing you could never be fully satisfied with. Uh, if you're clicking in the background, my dog has found a puzzle. She has a puzzle toy. Hazel. Yeah, normally she naps on the bed, but she she found where I hid the puzzle, and the puzzle's usually full of <laughs> treats. And uh, she's making herself part of the show, which is nice. But yeah, usually you can spend just hours on hours on hours mm-hmm. on these rankings. And you know, Julio Rodriguez is number one. I don't think anybody is going to fight you on that. I don't think the point of any of the conversation we're going to have today is to fight with placement of players. It's more just observations of, hey, look, this is a guy that was not a top 100 player in redraft coming to the season. And while his dynasty stock was much higher going into this year, this is a really big leap because if you are at 1-1 on a dynasty list, you're probably a first rounder pretty clearly 
for the purposes of a redraft going forward as well. So I think that's really exciting to see him there and to see Bobby Witt Jr. at four because I think I was the Bobby Witt Jr. skeptic, at least within the shows we do here at The Athletic. I just thought the price in redraft was too high. I didn't think there was a ton of long-term concern, but he is better than I expected faster than I expected. That's the the main thing. It's happened a lot quicker um, than I thought it would. So, you know, with those two guys being in that position, I, I guess I wonder what does that mean for you as you think about their their value just in 2023 leagues as well? Ooh, that's a good question because Julio Rodriguez in my main event league that I do with Rob, he, those two got taken at the turn of the second round. So it was the pick 30 and 31. It was the guy who took, I believe, Trey Turner first. And then he took these other two. And it was sort of like we were we were both celebrating because it actually put us in position to move everybody else. We didn't have either of those two even remotely close to 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 that. So and when Aaron Judge fell to us at the end of the third and Cedric Mullins to the top of the fourth, it's because of that play. Where do they go next year? Julio Rodriguez. Where does Julio Rodriguez go? I can look at this list and I can see it. I was talking to James Anderson. Ding! Uh, the other day, um, and we were talking about he's doing a uh, Rob DiPietro is putting together a 2023 early draft that James is going to take and do. And I was talking to him. Hey, maybe we'll do it together. And and the timing is just crazy for me right now. And so uh, James is doing it himself and there's really few better. But he said he's just going to go to his dynasty list and ask that question. So who's going first round? Acuna, Soto. Do you take Acuna and Soto ahead of Julio Rodriguez next year is really a solid question, I guess. I mean, I, I don't think he's – this is a dynasty rank, right? It's a dynasty rank, so it's the extra three years um, – Gosh, I don't know. DVR, where would you where, where do you think they land in next year's redraft? Yeah, working backwards on this is really tough because yeah. you, you are looking at the, the longer view. And I think a lot of first rounders right now, or at least potential first rounders, are very young. Like this is going to be probably one of the younger hmm. first rounds that we've had in a long time. I would imagine Acuna probably before the end of the season needs to show us a stretch power. even for a yeah. month of, of the previous power it's not that we wouldn't still expect it to come back in 2023 if we don't see it but i just think for people to justify especially an early first round pick on him you know a top three top five spot i think we need to see some of that happen in the second half of august and september or even in the postseason right i think that would count too if acuna is mashing home runs in the postseason that might be enough for most people to say yeah he's back in he's back in the first part of round one. I guess the the other part of the question, it, it seems to me that if you have Rodriguez at one, you believe the floor is yeah. also very high. It's not just ceiling, right? Coming to the no. season, it was the sky's the limit. And now it's, wow, the floor is even higher than we thought because this was his first exposure to big league pitching. And he's doing this with just 46 games played at double A last year. And, and that gets the wheels turning for me because, you know, we, we just saw Michael Harris get a deal from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They just extended him already. And he got to the big leagues really quickly and has more Man, than is so held smart. his own, right? Like you're seeing, oh my God. you're just seeing some pretty unusual things in terms of young players cruising through the minor leagues and having success right away. And I, I imagine we're both looking at Rodriguez right now and saying 27.2% K rate. That's amazing for a player who's 21 in the big leagues for the first time. That's probably coming down next year. Doesn't even have to for him to be good because the power-speed combo works. The quality of contact he makes keeps the batting average floor right around where it is. Rest of season projections agree with the batting average he's got so far. Wow, He's a 270 hitter this season. The worst rest of season projected batting average for Julio is 265. So I would imagine that most projection systems are going to put growth on top of what he's already done, given the age to level context of what's happening here. And I think you're going to be looking at a player that probably sees something around a 30, 30 projection for most yeah. of the projection systems. That's what he's looking at. I mean, he's looking right now as a 30, 30 player in his rookie season. I mean, it is. And again, this is not an OBP rank. This is a average rank. So that does change the dynamic quite a bit, right? Because if it was OBP, I would go Soto, I think number one, um, even with the speed, but it really has so much to do with speed for me. Julio Rodriguez is going to help win leagues. 
I, I, but I, you know, I'm a speed guy, right? And I talk about Mateo all the time. It's because if you can get those stolen bases, you're going to be fighting stolen bases win leagues. When leagues are tight, it's it, it's as you know, in only leagues or even in 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 full roto leagues, it's gonna it could come down to two, three stolen bases. I was not expecting Julio Rodriguez to steal 21 bases in 100 games. Were you? No, I wasn't either. And I think it's something that on the Athletic Baseball show, Keith Law brought this up at the beginning of the season. He said, I didn't think I've seen Julio before. I didn't think he ran like that. I didn't think that was part of the part of the package for him. And I do think the Acuna comps are fair when you look at what these guys both do. And the other thing you can do is you can look back at the full season projections. Those are still up over at Fangraphs for all the different projection systems. You can count the number of of players who were projected for 30-30 on one hand because there, you know, there were none. There were no 30-30 players projected. Trey Turner was a 28 homer, 32 steal player by the full season projections, 307 average. I mean, I think Turner is still, for me, a possible 1-1. We don't know where he's going to play because it's a free he's possible, agent. Cer- certainly 1-1 possibility for a redraft. No but question. in Dynasty, he's he's really tough because how, how does speed typically age? Not well. There are exceptions. Turner's not old yet, though, either. But when you slide like that. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the, when you slide like that, it's just so pretty. But Turner, you know, there was a minute in June or late May where Turner wasn't that good. Where you were seeing on the overall, I would look and I would see that nobody who had the first pick was in the top. And then all of a sudden he turned it on and he's, I mean, where is he at now? Let me take a, oh man, he's gotta be, he's gotta be top five among hitters in terms of dollars earned because he's at 306, 18 homers, 20 steals, 83 RBIs and 71 runs score. I think there's such an edge. If he stays with the Dodgers. Or he ends up in another place that's a, a top three, top four sort of lineup. Those counting Ooh. stats can be so good. And he's doing that with a 344 OBP. That's his lowest OBP since 2018. So he's probably underperforming just a little bit with that number. And that's costing him a, a, a little on the, the run scored count so far. I mean, I, I I still think there's a really strong case for him as your 1-1 your pick. And I would wonder if the people that picked 1-1, if they weren't winning their leagues because of the players that were there, at the two, three turns and the four, five turns, because this, this doesn't look like a, you know, a collapse situation. Um, player missed too much time with injury. You know, player fell flat on his face and was 60% of what you expect him to be. This, this is more like something else went wrong with those builds. Yeah. Well, or, but, but again, he wasn't, if you look like if you could break it down, he wasn't a, t- he was a top 30 player at the beginning of the year top 50 top 30 to 50 player he was struggling a little bit he was not doing i mean i think over the last six weeks is when it's really kind of exploded for him and he's he's shown what he's what he's capable of doing i mean he's 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 a dominant piece he's 29 julio rodriguez is 21 that means we're looking at i mean 12 years of play 12 years of speed you never know. I mean, there's an ACL, there's a, there's a, this, there's a, that, but I mean, it's just, he's, he's really unbelievable and plays the game with such spark. I mean, I was, I was just a little bit like, you know what I, I what I trade once, uh, this is how I kind of put together this list. Would I trade this guy for this guy? Would I trade this guy for this guy? Now you take Aaron judge of the Jordan Alvarez. Like that's one, one spot apart, right? Would I trade judge to get Alvarez? Probably not because of my Yankee bias. Um, but otherwise like, who would you who would you not trade to get Julio Rodriguez in a dynasty league at any point of your development, either in a rebuild or if you're even going for it? Who would you not who who's there that you would say, no, I'd rather have this guy? I'm not sure in that format, the keep forever situation where you're not right. thinking about cost. I I don't know if there is a player that I would put ahead of him right yeah. now. I mean, if you that, if you played in the league where everything Otani did counted, then okay, you play no, in the mythical then, league where things are different. But <laughs> right, it's not. Then then I do it. Then then, then you do Otani for sure. Or if it's a daily league, you would do Otani. But this isn't. This is an NFBC style, fifteen team, two catchers. This is what it looks like. And for me, uh, Julio Rodriguez. And and maybe Bobby Witt Jr. got a little bit of the Julio Rodriguez momentum to put him in that spot. But, I mean, where is Witt at? Uh, the numbers are... Witt's numbers are equally... Not not as impressive on the batting average side. Um, 
but and and certainly he's not going to have. Well, I mean, it's just not that bad, bro. It's 15 home runs and 23 stolen bases. It's and he's 22. You're looking at. And he's just going to grow from here. He's just going to get comfortable. I mean, that's the crazy thing. We we, we warn against these rookies. The, the, what's happening to Riley Green right now is he's struggling. You know, he's not he's not taking the league by storm. But when you come up as a 21, 22-year-old and you're the best player on the field, what's going to happen when you're 27, 28? And you get him 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. Now he's 34. You start to get nervous. But until then... I just don't know. Now, there's a situation where I could see moving Bobby Witt. That's more league-dependent, right? So if I'm in a rebuild and I've got Trey Turner and a team that is in first place has Bobby Witt Jr., I'll trade Trey Turner for Bobby Witt Jr. But if I were competing and I had Turner, I don't think I would move Witt. So there's a little bit of context that's needed there, unlike for the Julio Rodriguez Though if I were competing, I don't know that I would trade Bobby Witt Jr. for Trey Turner because there's six, seven years. I don't think that I don't think the value difference here is enough to give up six or seven years of of Bobby Witt Jr. What do you think? It's about a ten, maybe a fifteen dollar difference in terms of what they've done so far this season. But I, I think it's it's important to remember that Bobby Witt Jr. had a pretty bad first month, and then he's been this guy from about May on. So those overall numbers would look a little better if that first month hadn't happened when he was making those adjustments. That all being said, I think I would make that trade. I think I would rather if I were if I were in first or right in contention right now and I needed the upgrade, I think I would, would take the Turner side of that. And I'm, I'm sure to balance that out, there could be some other old players coming back that might be upgrades. Maybe you're sending back another you know, young flyer type player that's just, a dart for the future there, there could be ways to balance that out but i don't think in, in principle that that's a an unfair deal i think the the handful of years that turner still has where he's playing at or near this peak could four be worth years. it yeah it could four be four years. more years because thinking about the way speed ages i brought this up a little earlier how many old players that run have you been trusting in recent years think about the old players that that run that you actually want on your team. Starling Marte comes to mind for me. I've had a lot of Starling Marte in recent years, but that's a... I don't trust him. Is that the whole list? Him. Like, I mean, is there anybody else? Even Starling Marte is getting caught more this season than ever before. He's got, he went from never getting caught pretty much last year when he was on the Oakland A's and every day he'd have like three. It was, it was ridiculous to this year. I mean, he's got, what is he? 16, 17 slow bases. But if you look at the caught stealing, he's got to have eight or nine. So their percentage is going down, and he's 33 years old. I've got a in a dynasty league right now. Someone's trying to send me Starling Marte for a Tim Anderson type deal, um, but I don't trust it, you know. And I think that Anderson has a couple more years left in in the tank. But these early 20s to late, you know, late 20s, the beginning of your 30s. It, it, that's when it starts to go 32 33 like look what's going on with Merrifield right now I was praying to get him off one of my dynasty teams but I just could never find the way to do it because I knew that this it was gonna dive now he may come back next year but I, I was avoiding Whit Merrifield this year you know as he turned 32 going into 33 it's like that that's not gonna last and now he's not even playing all the time right or not as much as he was certainly playing for the Kansas City Royals yeah he's Finally done, it appears. I mean, maybe, maybe not forever, but he's so broken right now. I, Ooh, God, I, yeah. I take responsibility. I finally ended up with him on a team back during draft season. Usually avoided <sighs> him. I trusted him. It's on me. You can blame me. Yeah, it's really, really not on you. I, I paid for him in AL labor um, because I wanted speed. But speed, look, I mean, if you look at my AL labor team, I'm in first place in stolen bases with 100. Eno is second with 83. There's that much of a difference. That's why I traded Mateo for Luis Arias, essentially. Then in NL uh, Tout, I'm in, I think, second place on on steals. I'm in first place in saves in uh, AL Labor and first place in, no, second place to Michael Simeon, second place in saves in NL Tout. And both of those teams are very successful. The reason, I, I think... You've got to get your saves and you've got to get your steals. So I really do always make sure of that because you don't want to, you cannot get steals once the season is going. It just becomes so much more expensive. 
yeah, I was able to trade for Whit Merrifield in a couple leagues, but uh, you're right. It's hard to trade for good players that run in season. Yeah. People don't trade them. I mean, I traded for Michael Harris uh, about six weeks ago. Um, I may have mentioned that on the show with Tristan Cockroft and gave up uh, Daniel Bard at the top of his game, who's held the job, uh, Cade Cavalli, which might end up coming back to haunt me terribly, and um, and some fab money. And, and the reason Tristan did it was because he had a really big lead in stolen bases. That was the only speed I could find. The only speed that was findable. And even now I'm starting to look for pitching because this, this league, man, and I'll tout, I've been in first place now for about, I think, five weeks, five, six weeks, and had some pretty big leads. But I, I just I don't think I'm going to be able to hold it because the pitching staff is just giving up too many hits and too many runs. So I'm at the top and like OBP runs, stolen bases, everything. And then ERA is like I'm in, you know, 10th place of 12 and whip I'm in like eighth place of 12 and that's the difference right there so the Wilderman prior team is I think just caught me last night and we're tied 93.5 points but uh, I just don't think it's gonna hold I, I just unless unless everybody pitches great but then Taiwan Walker went down last night but these blow-ups they just they just kill you this game is very uh, very humbling this is very rare that you get to coast to a victory in fantasy baseball just doesn't happen it's always it's always a, a, a real challenge yeah i can't remember a league where i i knew this early i didn't oh I'm, I'm gonna win like i i've probably felt good about chances but i've never had certainty about it uh, in the middle of august i've had certainty and that's a lot it, it's it's actually in some ways it's not as much fun but i last year in labor i had certainty like i knew that i had it it was just a question of what the number was going to be Eno this year i think in al labor has certainty I'm chasing him. I'm up to 87, but he's 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 going to win. He's going to win. I'm just going to try to, like I said last week, chop into chop into his uh, his score. That's it. That's all you can do. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You mentioned this uh, as you were getting started. The publication of the list happened a few hours before we found out about the Tatis suspension. Mm. And having that information now, I mean, how much does that change the multi-year outlook? Obviously, it has redraft implications because of missed time that will carry over into next season. But my my attitude with PEDs has been more like, well, it's, it's a bummer when players do it, right? Because you, you want players to just do this on their own. But the number of players who cheat is probably much greater than the number of players who get caught. That's law of gravity in my mind. I think people have this misconception about steroids that, oh, you got caught. You can't take them anymore and you're not going to be good anymore. It's like, no, you, you took them. You got bigger and stronger. You're still going to have the benefits of that. And then for Tatis, to me, the bigger concerns long term are just the shoulder and the wrist. Like it, Physically, if he heals back from those things, he's going to be the player he was before all this happened. You know, I dropped him to 10. I was sitting there all proud of myself. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. I'm going to make him number 10. And uh, and then, and, and the reason was, and I don't like saying this because it's not very nice, but it's the knucklehead quotient for me. It's there's always something going on with a guy, with Tatis. There's always something that holds him back. It's a... You know, same with Chris Sale, right? Chris Sale just broke his wrist or fractured his wrist on a dirt bike accident while he's recovering from a broken hand. At this point with Sale, it's like there's always something that's going to mess him up, whether it's scissors to a uniform, you know, breaking up a hallway. So when I'm looking at dynasty 
players and guys that I want to invest in, I talk about this a lot, is character for me matters a lot. Because how you are, if you can be steady in your mind, you can be a great baseball player. If you can't be steady, you're going to be inconsistent. To me, I put Tatis at 10. Obviously, it's not the talent. He's got more talent probably than almost anybody. You know, maybe Julio Rodriguez. I remember Manny Machado yelling at him, you're the best player in the game. It doesn't matter. Get out there. We need you, right? This, this next move, I don't know. I mean, if I offer you Rafael Devers for Tatis, you're taking it, aren't you? If I'm playing right now for the immediate future, probably. Vacuum it. What if, what if you're not playing the immediate future? Hmm. I think I'm taking my chances on Tatis in that situation. Yeah. How about Kyle Tucker? You love Kyle Tucker. I do. I, I think I'd go Tatis over Tucker. Wow. Okay. So it's not so you you look at this ten ranking even before the the PD suspension and you question it a little bit. Um I just I don't trust him to he's he's in the Buxton area for me now. He's in the trout area for me now. I don't trust you. And if I don't trust you, I don't want you. I, I, there are other guys that I would choose over you, you know, but if he fell, like if we were doing a startup dynasty draft right now, I, I would not know. I, I, I would drop Tatis. I would take Guerrero over Tatis. He shows up to work every day. I think I would take Ramirez. I would take Devers. Gosh, do I take bets over him? Don't know. He might just be off my board. So because he's off my board, I don't know that he drops that much lower. Tough. It's tough because the speed is so tantalizing. But no, no, I'm not for me. Not for me. For me, it's it's a and that's the thing about the list. I mean, there are people who are like, what kind of a list is this? This doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, it does make sense to me. Makes sense <laughs> in my head. Like, that's all I can make the list for. It's I'm my, not making my the list. list. Of course, it makes yeah, sense to me. Like, makes sense. Like, there may be mistakes every once in a while. Or, ah, should I, I really, I really think that through. Like, there's one on the list where I'm like, that's wrong. That's just an old, I did not move him and I should have. I didn't see it. That person is Carlos Correa, just to be fair. Um, but other than that, like, you know, no. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I don't like it. But I'll be happy to look at your list. That's part of why I don't like doing the list so much because people are like, you know, trash, it's trash. Like, I don't need to hear you say it's trash. I've lived a long time. I don't, I'm not interested in that opinion. Um, but anyway, uh, that that that's my Fernando Tatis. So you kind of like him where it is. I would drop him a few. I would certainly drop him a few from, from my ass. I think the the multi-year aspect of all of this, it as much as an 80-game suspension is, is devastating from a redraft perspective, it's... It's just like a soft breeze in in a dynasty but situation. Do you, doesn't it doesn't it suggest that this is just you're going to get more of the same? Like what's going to change? It's it's entitlement on Tatis's part. That's my issue. I'm not a fan of entitlement. Right? I was a professional actor on sets, so I see what entitlement looks like. Professional actors who are big stars can be very entitled. It doesn't work. Your team doesn't. The, the show will not be as good. When you have somebody who's a great leader on your team, it's it's way, way better. Changes everything. Tatis is just never to be... I, I just can't trust him. I mean, where are you taking Tatis next year then? He's going to be out for another 30 games. Where does he fall? Redraft, main event, or even auction. Let's do auction. I, I like auction. Let's do auction. That can answer both, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about... If I'm, playing, if I'm playing in the main or even like the online championship, something with an overall component where bench spots are premium yeah. and, and ceiling is a big deal. I, I think mm-hmm. about it in that context because that's the earliest type of league we're drafting. I think in, in leagues where replacing players is challenging, it's easier to avoid him if the price stays top 20, top 25 overall. I think there's going to be some leagues where he goes the one-two turn in 15-team leagues. like kind of that One-two turn? With thirty five game with thirty five games out? I think it's possible. Okay. Maybe I'm expecting too much from the market and that would just sort of say, uh, yeah, okay, I'm I'm not I'm not bothering with them there. But when do I start thinking about it? Early to mid round three, you're talking like pick thir- 35, the pick 35 <laughs> range. <laughs> nice. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I was going thirty six, so I and I probably still won't consider them unless I, I built in a way that it's like, wait a minute, I need speed and he'll bring speed when he comes. But what's to say that he's not going to 
you know, hurt a shoulder, hurt a wrist, hurt a this, hurt a that. You know, he he tends to, he plays wildly too, right? So it's not like putting him in center field is going to save him because he's going to go for the ridiculous play. And that's how he got hurt last time, diving for a ball in the, in the hole, I believe. I'm being hard on Tatis here, but I think that's the appropriate. Here's what I'll say. I think 35-36 is the appropriate spot to consider him. And that's where I think you should consider him. I won't I don't think I will consider him there. And then on the on the auction side, if I go $26 and this is a 15 team league, GDD style, I go 26. I might say 27 there because GDD has IL spots and mm-hmm. even though you wouldn't be able to use one of those spots for Tatis, you'd use those for other players that you draft that get hurt, right? Your, your other injured guys don't count against your bench. So I'm probably yeah, right around that number. I think that's that's about right. Yeah, it's about right. 26, 27, I guess. I, I just, you know, you got you to gotta want the guy. You got to trust the guy. I, I've said this before, and maybe people think it's a cop-out, but I don't think it is. I, I If I'm playing in an auction where I have so much more control over the rest of the players on my roster compared to a snake draft where, mm-hmm. you know, the the machinations of everybody else's decisions leave me certain combinations of players to choose from. I'm much more likely to get a player like Tatis or Tatis specifically in the auction setting as opposed to the snake draft setting. It's why the auction setting is so much better. It just is. I mean, like Rob and I did the main event this year. It's going very well. We're still doing great. Everything's going great. But the auction is so much, such a better way to build a team because you can really decide. And you can, you know, I remember Ariel, who I learned so much from. And I'm going to say it again. Learned so If you want to learn, listen to Beat the Shift podcast with my man, Ruvain, who helped my son get better. And he's back playing baseball again. Um, but that that format of the auction is is the premier by far for me the premier way to play the game it's just so much more fun so much more fun so so it's just delicious it's just like cuz you get to choose you get to decide someone like freddie freeman is going in the you know 16th 17th pick so you're going to take him when you got all these other first basemen that are going to provide value for you. But in the auction, instead of going at that price, which would be like $32, $33, if you can squeeze him for $28, $29, you might be able to get him there. You know what I mean? It just changes. It just changes the entire dynamic. Well, and it's that you can take Freeman and you can pay 30 plus for another player that wouldn't be there in a snake draft and put that player with them because Freeman was one of the first examples I mentioned on the pod a while back of a player that I liked more in an auction than I did in a snake and it was the lack of speed and thinking about the construction of the roster and having to get everything and the other silver lining here you don't have to roster Tatis next year at all if you don't want to. You don't have to deal with no. him. You, you don't have to believe that by passing on him at 23, 25, 27, or you know, whatever whatever dollar amount it ends up being or whatever ADP it ends up being, you could say, you know what? I'm not taking the guy that got popped for PEDs and has two significant injuries and has a style of play that makes him more risky. If he comes back and he's amazing, great. Tip the cap. That's fine. That's not going to be the one thing that beats you. There's There's plenty of other ways. Like plenty of other things that have to happen for you not to win. So you can just say, F it. I don't want to deal with this situation at all. I don't want to sit back and wait 30 plus games for this guy to come back. And I'd rather spend that money or that draft pick on someone who's going to be there, who could be there every single day all season. That's totally fine, too. Yeah. And they're, that's something I we talk a lot about in the offseason, like guys that I'll be out on, right? I'm out on this guy. I'm just out on this guy. And then he turns around and becomes CJ Cron for the season, right? Does that make you bad because you're out on a guy who turned out good? No, it doesn't. It means you just got to get other guys that you are high on and that you can, you know, that you could make your make your living on. Like Paul Goldschmidt was not a guy for me this year. I, I don't have him on any, any, any team. Oh, but you're still winning some leagues though, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible to not have every single good player on one of your teams right. and still win those leagues. That's that's really important because it's like, oh, I'm I missed. I missed. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you missed. Make more than you don't. Yeah. Like hit on the hit on the guys. Find like in GDD, uh, Rob and I have we got Julio Rodriguez for five bucks. And we got no three bucks and then Torkelson for five. I don't remember what it was, but it was like, all right, let's let's just give it a shot. Let's load it up. That's the difference in that league. Without Julio Rodriguez, we wouldn't be where we're at. 
you know, that's, that's the, the, it's those little finding the, finding the discounts, finding the, the surprise superstars, whoever picked up Michael Harris, if you picked up Michael Harris, your team is better. If you picked up Spencer Strider, your team is better. And that's why I would really argue dynasty, though, though hard to make lists is really valuable for your redraft because you know, the players you have to, it's your job. Your job in Dynasty is not just to know the top 20 prospects in baseball. You need to know the top 200 prospects in baseball. And if you know the top 200 prospects, you know Harris is coming. So that when he tips, they say, oh, Harris is coming up. I'm going to bid the extra two bucks on this guy to make sure that I get him. Then you've got Michael Harris. I did not do that. So I had to go trade for him. Right? I didn't pick up Michael Harris anywhere. I was like, he was off my, he was under my radar, as they say. So Harris was at 35 on the list when it came out. And I have to imagine that when you saw, I think it was Tuesday, they reported the extension between Harris and Atlanta. It's eight years and 70, 72 billion. 72. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that's got a half season's worth of service time, that's that's a, a great guarantee kind of baked in. Atlanta gets a couple of years of, of free agency back. So I, I totally Beautiful. understand why they did it. I kind of understand exactly why he did it, given how young he is and uh, the, the immediate guarantee of that that sort of payday. The only question I really have about Harris is how much better will the plate discipline get and then how much how, how soon will that happen, right? You look at his minor league numbers, plenty of, of, of walks, not like a 12 to 15% walk rate guy, but usually 8 to 9%. K rate's consistently just under 20%. There's power, there's speed. He's 13 for 13 is a base dealer. This, yeah. is, this is what's so strange about this. All the time when we look at minor league stolen base rates, we have to go in thinking, okay, look, the the batteries in the minor leagues, they're not major league batteries. They don't have pitchers that are as good as holding runners. They don't have catchers that are across the league as good as throwing runners out. So if you see, like Harris last year was 27 for 31 at high A, that's awesome. 101 games, you're like, okay, that's like a 40-plus steal pace. But as he advances, he's unlikely to run that much because it's not as easy and as it turns out i mean it's not quite a 40 steel pace but being 13 for 13 in 71 games that is amazing i mean that that gives you hope for the future when you look at the power he brings the batting average looking really good right now a possible 25 25 season doesn't seem out of the question in the short term from him and that's not something i would have put on him three months ago and he's 21 he's 21 i didn't think he was going to play in the big leagues this year I mean, when he came up, I was like, oh, Michael Harris is coming up. I mean, tip of the hat to the Atlanta Braves, man. That's how, this is how you win championships is doing stuff like this. And they've won five in a row. And he's a big part of it. He's batting at the absolute bottom of the order most games. Sometimes he goes up to eight. Uh, I think there were a couple of games where he was leading off a couple of months ago when when Acuna was still out. But in 254 at-bats, he's got 46 runs from the back of the lineup. He's got 39 RBIs batting batting ninth. 13 stolen bases, as you said, 12 home runs. You know, that's what you're looking for. I mean, isn't that what we're looking for? This is exactly what we're looking for. I remember when I put him at 35, I was like, ooh, it's a little scary. You know, this is going to be my last dynasty list for a while. What if he What if he Trent Grisham's on us? I just don't think it. I, I, I think he's a really, really good baseball player. Something was in the, something was in the water for these 21-year-olds when they were born. I don't, I don't know what it is. But you're looking at a perennial top 100 player moving forward, I think. And the Atlanta Braves are brilliant because now look what they have. They've got Riley locked down. They've got Albies. They've got Acuna. They've got Olsen. They've got young pitching aplenty. I don't know if they take if they keep Swanson. And then the kid, what's his name? Oh, what's the kid who just came up in his... Von Grissom. Yeah, Von Grisham. So if, if Swanson, Swanson's a free agent after this year, is that correct? Yeah, he is. They can let him walk. They can let him walk. They can let him walk and just, I mean, maybe they keep him, but maybe they let him walk. Come to the Yankees. We'll, we'll take you, Dansby. Um, we need a shortstop. Uh, but yeah, I, I, the Atlanta Braves are are about as good as you can get. And then that little that little sweet trade for Rosale Iglesias to, and Jansen has been great. I mean, the team is strong. The team is good. And they got more pitching in the minors. It's just very, very impressive. Yeah, well run at this time, and and Mike Soroka finally making his way back. All the best to mm-hmm. him because the the retear of the Achilles is such a a devastating injury. And his his career was off to such a good start. I mean, the strikeouts weren't quite there yet, but you got the sense that they were going to be there over time. Even if he wasn't going to be a, a league leader in strikeout rate, that he was going to eventually be kind of a strikeout running pitcher with 
with excellent ratios. So that could be the excellent other ratios. big boost that they get to that rotation in the not-so-distant future. I mean, Strider being as good as he is, Kyle Wright stepped forward this year. Tons of, of things have gone right on the heels of winning a World Series. You know, so many teams would, would find a way to win, lose the face of the franchise, and have a step back. And Atlanta's right there going toe-to-toe with the Mets, who, I mean, look, the team that's going to be the, the thorn in your side for the next five years, if you're Steve Cohen and the Mets, you're looking right at them. Yeah, the, or the, the defending next champs. Seven years. The it's next gonna be a seven while. Years. It's they, because they're they're they they can make the short big investments. They can do a two year sixty million dollar contract for a pitcher for a thirty four year old pitcher, and just pay it because they have the flexibility from the other from the deals that they've made. I mean that's they, they they're building a dynasty team. Like they're building a dynasty is what they're what they're trying to do and what they they seem to be doing. So it's it's really very very impressive. Really is. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I think Tyler O'Neill has a buy-low window right now, by the way. Do you? The swing and miss will always be a bit of a concern, but I think O'Neill is in that, that group of players that can consistently be among the league's best in barrels. And I think when you do that, that gives you that extra buffer with the swing and miss. And I think it's not just the power. We've seen the speed. He's 8 for 12 this there. year. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a 20 steal guy over a full healthy season if it all clicks. But what's the average? What's the average going to be on him? 250, 260. What's his average now? 228. That's, see, the, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get caught owning a player and watching the player and hating the player. And it's the only league I got him because he fell so far in this redraft friends and family league of mine. And he's just been either hurt the entire time or striking out, <laughs> you know, going over four an awful lot. And it just, it just hurts my feelings. I'm just not a, it, it, it's sometimes, you know, when it's on your own list and you, you own the player, you sort of gain a bias towards that player. Uh, actually last night, and thank you again, DVR, because you keep moving when we're going to do the, the show around. Uh, last night I had a chance to go to Yankee Stadium uh, with my family and we went to see the game and watching Randy Rosarena hit a three-run home run in that first inning. He's a guy that I've never particularly liked but then when you watch him live and you see that ball go and the way that that ball went it's like, wow, you're really you're pretty, 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 pretty good. That was a, that was a bomb. So, yeah, I think Rosarena I think there's some similarities to Tyler O'Neill in that profile. The average might lag a little bit O'Neill's going to walk more. Uh, well, the 256 is where a Rosarena is right now. That's sort of yeah. just like what I expect from him. But the power-speed combo is yeah. legit. It's more speed from a Rosarena. I think O'Neill's you know, power over speed, it's kind of flipped. But just similar in the sense that there's a little bit of a free-swinging approach. The, the highs are pretty high. The lows are pretty low. But the end result with health tends to be very good. And I just think you're... If you look at the gap between... You know, the long-term value you've got on O'Neill on the list compared to where he was in redraft right now, I think that's, that that all totally makes sense in my head. 
I think we're going to see a similar drop in redraft this winter. And yeah, I think how, it's where does cre- he go? Where uh, does he go? Probably in the 125 to 140 range overall, if I had to ballpark it right now. Yeah, and I probably will pass. I just personally will pass. Again, it's just it's the guys that I like, the guys that I don't like. What about Adulis? Because as we're as we're talking about Rosarena, as we're talking about Tyler O'Neill, Adelis Garcia is having a really remarkable non OBP season. But he's really he's done he just every time you turn around, he's doing something. I mean, what's he he's on he must be on track for over hundred RBI. Uh, he's on track for 25 to 27 home runs. He's on track for 23 to 25 stolen bases with a 254 average. I I, I got him in um, in AL labor, so that's why I've been following him really closely. I forget I got him for a decent price, like 14, 15 dollars in an only league. That that's a pretty good price. And he's been kind of, and I, I kind of had the anticipation that maybe what he would do is similar to what he did last year, like get really hot and then in July let it all fall off the table. Doesn't seem to be falling off the table. No, he's playing better than I expected. The approach with the low walk rate and the pretty elevated K rate has worked longer than I expected it to. I think the thing that I underestimated about Garcia that's really important, and it's it's not like an unknown issue is that when you are a great defender you will play more even yeah. if you have flaws offensively and Garcia despite his flaws does exciting things as an offensive player like that's all of those things are are true and were true when I was skeptical of him previously and I think that's a big part of why I'm remaining pretty open-minded about O'Neal because I think the Cardinals are going to give him every day playing time the lost time this year Especially now with Bader gone, he he's it's it's not a it's it's not a full house anymore. Right, a little less crowded. I think he's he's an important part of their team. It's a max volume playing time player who can do possibly something in every single category. He might not even hurt you in batting average. He might be good in batting average. That's possible. He was a year ago. It's possible. It's possible. Sure, because it's the possible. barrel rates are absurd when you hit the ball that hard, even if you swing and miss a lot you can end up on the right side of batting average. But even if you're just projecting him for like a league average, like again, 250-something batting average, that's fine because the power is comparable. It's on the same sort of the game power is basically on the same level as Garcia. It's above the level of a Rosarena. And there's speed that's on that same sort of level too, right? Like It's 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 like the Adelise package, but in a situation that's uh, to me a little less risky just because the the walk rate and some of those core skills seem a tick more stable. Yeah, I hear you. I I, I hear you about that. Can we? Talk, I'm curious for you, in your mind the Jordan versus Judge. I have Jordan at six and Judge at seven. What do you think? What do you think of that? I just think it's funny that they're they're next to each other because I was starting to think about having Judge on a few teams this year and how that's been. Amazing. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You're, you're getting a player and a half basically in one of your offensive spots because he's been been so good. And I'm thinking to myself, who in the pool hits the ball hard enough to have a judge like season to to lead the league in homers and, and win that crown by 15 or 20 in the future? Who's mm-hmm. who is that good of a hitter? And Jordan Alvarez is the only player, the only one who immediately came to mind as very plausible and I know Judge runs a little Alvarez almost runs never so you have to throw the stolen run, base out. Judge runs how many is he I think he has 10 is at 12 he, already is he at 12 yeah I mean 12 geez what are the rest of those numbers I've got I've got I just pulled up Jordan I can pull him up on any one of my teams Aaron Judge because he's on pretty much all of them 46 homers 96 runs 100 <laughs> RBIs and 12 steals and a 297 <laughs> average yeah at two two ninety seven average, yep. and what what is his OBP? Hold on, I have it right here, three ninety four. Dude, I mean, he's just so. Where does okay? Let's do redraft for next year, okay? Because the Di Pietro's putting together a group tonight, uh, ten thirty at night. A little late for me. It's gonna go till like midnight. Where does Judge go? Oh, someone's taking Judge in the top five, right? Has to, right? But how much of that is recency bias? How, how sustainable is this level? How 
how different is Aaron Judge today compared to back during our drafts in late March and early April? Is he is he a different player, or is this just a possible high end outcome within the range of things that have always been possible from him? I think that I think that's the answer. I think he struggled a little bit in the last couple of weeks because Stanton's out of the lineup, so people are they're avoiding him. They're just pitching around him almost like they would almost to a Barry Bonds level. Um, but this is this is who he is, and the stolen bases will go away. But I think you're looking at seven or eight more years of dominance. Nah, that's too much. It's more like three to four. Yeah, if he's right. if he's great beyond that, that's awesome. It's just it's hard to expect that that far into any player's career. Truly, one of the best athletes. I mean, we were watching him last night. He was playing center field and just gliding to balls. You know, to be that big and that athletic and that flexible and that it's just it's really special. Alvarez, though, is younger. Right. So that's why he's he's above him because of the the years of the years more that he has, though. I don't think Alvarez will go as long because he's not in. He doesn't have the same body that Judge has. Right. You know what I mean? He's not I mean, he's not in bad shape by any stretch. He's better shape than me. But he's he's not like Judge, which is like a perfect physical specimen. That is like made for sports. Alvarez, it looks like he's made for baseball or maybe defensive end. Yeah. Well, so Alvarez has a 61.2% hard hit rate. <laughs> yeah, 61.2% of the time, Jordan Alvarez hits the ball at 95 miles per hour plus. Judges at 60.3%. They're they're just like on they're on their own planet in terms of that hard So contact. where does Jordan where does Jordan go? See, Jordan's going to be the perennial, doesn't steal bases, mm-hmm. boring first rounder. Like he, and I'm looking at it. and I'm saying, okay. I mean, I know Judge has always had that little bit of speed that Jordan's just not going to provide. But I, I see a pretty easy first round bat with Jordan Alvarez. I think people might still have some concerns about the knees, but hasn't he sort of erased uh, those yeah, concerns I, at this point? I think he certainly lessened those concerns, but he's going. 11 12 i'm gonna guess somewhere in there 10 to 13 that that area code kind of he he's sort of where vlad was coming into the season right i mean that that sort of like just you're getting yourself 40 home runs with a great average and tons of rbi tons of runs in a really good lineup but judge is judge gosh judge could judge go number one tonight could but won't no turner will go one turner should go one Turner deserves to go one. Does Judge go two? That's you take, probably, who you take probably two. Yeah, I think I think it's two. I, I, could, I could see is, Julio sneaking in there though. Nah, I, I in that no, room in, with that group with with a group of of NFBC centric players. You don't think Julio could sneak in there and go two? Yeah, he could. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he 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 can sneak in there. Uh, I don't think that's the right play. I don't think that's the right move. I mean, the thing about Judge when he's stealing bases, he's very clever about it because he doesn't he's you know, you're not, you're not thinking he's going to run. And then all of a sudden he he literally steals them like out of nowhere. It's like, oh, wait, you just stole another base. Like, oh, my God. Are you just grabbing a base here? You're grabbing a base there. It's almost like he's like looking out for his fantasy owners. <laughs> he's like, hey, let me grab you one here. It's first and third. It's two outs. I'm just going to take this base for you. That's when he steals. It's not like Cedric Mullins. He gets on first. Everyone knows, okay, he's going to go. Is he going to go? He's not going to go. Julio, is he going to go? He's not going to go. Judge, it's 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 much more like, oh, oh. And then he, he. I mean, how many caught stealings does he have? Let me see. Caught stealings. One. One. That's excellent. That's what you want. That's what you want. He's on pace. Oh, my God. I'm looking at the on pace. You want to hear the on pace? Can I read you the on pace? Sure. 138 runs, 66 home runs, 144 RBI, 17 stolen bases with a 297 average. I mean, yeah, that's that's top three pick in next year's draft. Top two pick should be top two pick. He should be a top two pick. I can see Turner one. I can also see Judge one. He's he's the he is the and and. Yeah, it's just, and I like the I like the setup. I still like Jordan ahead of him just by a squidge, 
on a dynasty list because of the four extra years, but I, I might talk myself out of that all of a sudden and, and say, well, you know, maybe not. Yeah, I'm such an idiot. I had a bunch of topics on the rundown for today that I really wanted to get to. We'll save them for a future episode. And You're not an idiot. Take that back. You're the, one of the great voices and minds of fantasy baseball, period. I'm grateful and lucky to get to work with you, as is everyone else here at the fantasy, at the Athletic Fantasy Baseball. Do not use those words about my friend and partner, because you're the man. Yeah, but I had more like under the radar type stuff. We'll go Throw them in quick. Let's go. Let's we'll, do, give, we'll, give, we'll, we'll do the in season play starting pitching decisions next week, just because it's a it's an evergreen sort of topic. It's a problem that comes up all the time. Let's get the Nando's Funhouse stuff in here. Yeah, let's finish with that. Nando would be so excited that JP Sears is up and getting a chance with the A's right now. Right this this is like his guy. This is his guy now with a clear runway to be a starting pitcher. For a bad team, which is also a Nando thing too, right? Gotta love the A's taking the over on the wins in 2023. Like it's, you know, that's where he'd be <laughs> at right now. You've seen some JP Sears. Do you think he'll be an effective starting pitcher? Effective enough to be yeah. consistently mixed league viable, especially when you count for the home park? I mean, I love the home park. I don't know. I mean, I had the opportunity, we had the opportunity to start him in a, in a league or two this week and I just wasn't I wasn't feeling it yet. I, I just was like, look at what happened to Dia Hall as he came up rookie in a new park in a new on a new team. But yeah, I mean he's got he he's he's silky smooth. That's what I'll say. He's got a silky smooth vibe to him. So I kinda like him. I kinda like him, but he's he's not gonna win me any leagues this year. That's not where I'm looking. Uh but but when he's gonna get more starts. But I'm just so afraid. The guy who I really like, and I actually think is going to be cheaper now because of what happened in the sixth last night, is Jose Suarez. Jose Suarez looks to me like Nestor Cortez. Very similar profile, very similar style of pitching. 24 years old. Um, he's available. He's available in a bunch of leagues. And last night was throwing, I think, a perfect game through five. I like Jose Suarez a little bit more than I like JP Sears. That's me. How about you? Probably taking Sears because of the park. Angel Stadium's playing really hitter-friendly. I think that's something that's a little bit kind of sneaky in the park factors people might be missing. But, man, the Angels are so desperate for pitching. If if Suarez could give them number four starter type production, yeah. that's that's a big win for them internally just because they, they need guys like that and they need a lot of them. How about Frenmil Reyes getting a fresh start in Chicago? I think it's great. I actually really think it's great. Uh, he he went for a lot of money. Dave Miller paid like twenty eight bucks in GDD form, something like that. Um, I like it a lot. I also particularly like it because it's three sixty four to left center field in Chicago. So I, I think a change of you know a change of venue, a shakeup where you're sort of like, wait a minute, I got to do, I got to work harder, you know, than than I've been working. All right, fine, I will. I don't want to go back to the minor leagues. I don't want to get released again. So Fran Mo Reyes, I, I think, is a he's back in the con- how about this? He's back in the conversation for a top two hundred pick next year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, what he does in the next six weeks. Kind he's of been pretty good. He's been pretty good. Around. Yeah, he's been pretty good so far over the course of the last couple of uh, last couple of weeks since he's come over. I, I kind of like it. What do you mean you're buying all the PSA? What is that? What is that? Oh, I, this is what Nando would say. I'm buying all the well, PSA tens of Fran Mill Reyes. Buying them all. Okay, and what else? All the what are cards. the other two quick things that he would say before we head out? Oh yeah, the uh, <laughs> you expletive deleted led me wrong in my <laughs> dynasty league again. I didn't, we didn't want to say anything. Do you ever listen to the show? We didn't. We kept our mouths shut. You forced us, and then you're gonna blame us. I just want to play it out for everybody because he'll be back soon. And then Ryland Bannon went to Atlanta. Yeah, he got claimed off of waivers, I believe, by ah. uh, by Atlanta. Well, they're pretty smart. They must be listening to Nando DeFino. Does that... We've probably had this come up at a few different points over the history of the show, but when when a good team, when a good team or a smart team claims a player off of waivers, does that make the wheels start spinning in your head to say, okay, wait a minute, there might be yeah. something in their underlying numbers that they see that I should be thinking about? If I'm Nando DeFino... Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, I agree with that point. If the Rays do it, if the Dodgers do it, if the Braves do it. But if I'm a Ryland Bannon fan, I want him picked up by the Pittsburgh Pirates, man. I want him picked up by the Oakland A's. I want him fighting Sky Bolt for time. 
Right. Better path. Uh, uh, easier path. Way easier path. I mean, where is he going to play? Where is he going to play? So, I mean, yes, sure. It makes me think that the, the GM's a listener to the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to say a maybe on that one, but that's just <laughs> me like trying to make myself feel good about our, our situation. May, it's possible. Okay, I'm closing us with saying this. For the man who is the best voice and the best mind in fantasy baseball and should never downgrade himself on any show again, Derek Van Riper. It's very kind of you and at least maybe 50% true. I'm Ian Khan and uh, Nando will be back soon. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, keep going. Keep, keep trucking. Keep rolling. Uh, good talk. Good talk. Bye. <laughs>